I think like electricity. Yeah, I mean, it, it had a whole like amusement ride and everything. <laughs> El Chapo had his had, had his tunnel figured out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Reading a book about the Vietnam War, talking a lot about the Viet Cong tunnels. You, you're, you're aware that El Chapo didn't dig the Viet Cong tunnels, aren't you? I know, but these are these are uh, you know we're jumping from tunnel to tunnel. What can I say? All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Welcome back to Small Brains Big Picks, a podcast kind of about sports, kind of about whatever we want it to be about. And I am here in our studio. Evan, you are in a secured bunker. Where are you at? Yeah, I'm in a 12-foot thick bunker with the biggest mask you've ever seen. Um, Recovering from a little cold. Um, I am COVID negative officially, but uh, still not trying to get any of y'all sick, so we are doing this one audio only and socially distant. Well, that's very positive in the sense that it's negative. Mm. Do you feel, are you, so you're feeling better though? Yeah, definitely better. Definitely better. I'd say today is the first day that I feel essentially at a hundred percent. Do you feel a little touch and go there for, for a couple of days? I really thought that I might, uh, you know, have to take an extra long nap or, Use some bake oil mm, or something. Mm. Yeah, but we got through the worst of it. Do you feel like you could possibly lead the uh, the free world now that you've experienced COVID-like symptoms? Mm, well, now you know I've done the real. The, you know they they can't teach you this in school. I've I've done the real shit, so I feel like now I could go. Um, I don't know, say something xenophobic or like be best friends with a dictator or something. I feel prepared. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 ready now. You can you can yeah. rise to the next echelon of bigotry if you so choose. The school of the school of hard knocks, as they call it. Yes, yeah. Um, so today the on school Small of Brains, hard yeah, the school of hard knocks. Yes, um, the school of hard Brian Cox was great in succession. The school of dry coughs. Yeah, yeah, the school of dry coughs. Yeah, there there it is. There's the the <laughs> there's the episode name. Um, today we're going to be doing episode some... name before we even started. Man. I know, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead that, that's currently in the, that's currently in the lead uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> of names. Um, drop a link, drop a comment below if you're listening and you think this is going to be the name of the episode, um, <laughs> Dad. Um, okay, so small brains, big picks. Today we're going to do a little thing uh, that they do often on our inspiration part in the interruption, which is buying and selling. Where we'll say a topic and we'll each defend whether we're buying or selling that topic. Is that a good explanation? Yeah. No. I mean, that's it. Yeah. We're gonna do we do we buy that this is legit? Uh, so we'll right. maybe see where we land land on each of these. Yeah. So up first is: Are you buying or selling playing in twenty twenty? Yeah, playing sports in twenty twenty was like, I mean, in many ways. That along with the uh, movement for Black Lives were kind of, if you if you wanted to put a theme on what this year, but all, especially our podcasts discussions in this season have been, like those were it. And so those are, it's definitely a topic that we've, we've touched on a lot. And now with 
the NBA season over and the MLB season moving into the, the final round of the series, we kind of have a little bit of perspective. And, and in short, I think worth it is an interesting phrasing. And like to say worth it, I have to say no. Um, <clears throat> only in that, like, I don't think playing sports necessarily <clears throat> in the long term has added anything, has added anything to, uh, like added anything positive and necessary and that we absolutely needed to our lives. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I, but I, I, I will say, well, go ahead. No, no, I, I think that you're right. I think that it's not felt as important. I mean, to be frank about yeah. it, that COVID felt very serious and the, and the NBA shut down. We were only in spring training for baseball, but almost COVID made me not care as much, but definitely I felt that the movement for black lives should have been more, you know, like baseball has has kind of acted like they could just move past that now. Mm-hmm. And and in terms of COVID, I think the MLB was touch and go for a minute there, but uh, long term, big picture, it seems that both leagues, um, especially the NBA um, and the WNBA, uh, and to an extent the MLB, did have success in their, in their protocols. Like the MLB definitely had some cases, but the dire scenario that you and I at times predicted never came uh, to fruition. And they did, you know, knock on wood, a couple of days left, get to the end of the seasons. Um, Without well, a work in terms of Right. Well, there was, yes. I, the, I, the, I actually, the yeah, I disagree. I, I disagree with you. I think that um, the Marlins had a rough go of it. The Marlins started really hot and then they had lots of COVID testing positive. Some players like Joanna Cespedes walked off the season, like mid mid season or the beginning of the season, because they didn't feel it was safe. And in the playoffs, I thought the Marlins like they got to the playoffs like two years earlier than they probably should have because they were not ready and they got completely steamrolled uh, by the Braves. I thought that they were clearly paper tigers, and they probably didn't even you know shouldn't have even punched their ticket there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. I think that's a valid point, but I, I will also say that, um, like, regardless of whether you think there's social distancing protocols worked out, ultimately, at the end of the day, there was that conversation of both from the pandemic and from our, our racial justice uh, reckoning, as people have called it. Um, I I do think ultimately it was a distraction. I think that is the, the term in, in a positive and negative way. In some ways, for people, it was a necessary distraction from the turmoil going on in a lot of areas of our lives. And in negative ways, it was, distract, it was a distraction that gave people respite from being able to deal with difficult issues. Um, but it was a distraction, I think, looking back. It was not... For all of the the media attention to the issues drawn by, uh, especially the basketball leagues, um, you know, I think I do think that players could have done the same good that was done by that attention drawn um, by calling press conferences from home, um, by organizing events and using their time to run charity vibes and et cetera, et cetera. 
I mean, and the numbers. So I don't know that I buy that 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 was better for the movement. Yeah, I, I, I'm selling. Yeah, I'm selling the idea that they that their play was warranted. I'm, you know, I think yeah. that yeah, that I I think that play should not have happened. I think that it would have been a really impactful message to say when they decide to cancel that one to three days of uh, NBA playoffs, that that was the time walk off then you can, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, there's a safety net through COVID that if you're worried about any sort of repercussions, you know, people, you know, whatever, it's a powerful message to walk off. Then, uh, they didn't, they came back like what, three days later, two days later. And, mm-hmm. uh, the NBA finals were widely, widely not watched. This was one of the lowest yeah. watched NBA finals in history. So, um, that says something. Yeah. And I, I think, Ultimately, as as huge of a social role as athletes play in our country, um, ultimately, I'm I'm left, and this wasn't necessarily something that I thought six months ago, um, but I'm left feeling as though the the voices of NBA players, of athletes, of entertainers have a massive impact, but that uh, we can we can get away with thinking that their impact is somehow equal to or bails out uh, the accountability of legislators and of voters and of um, people who create and enforce policy in this country. And at the end of the day, it does feel like we put more pressure on LeBron to say the right things behind the microphone than the politicians that we elect and then when they say these horrific things, we say, oh, whatever, you know, he's a Republican, you know, you can't expect anything from them. Um, so you do wish that we had the same level of accountability um, for people that are actually elected to legislate and run our countries and keep people safe and create equity um, that we that we have for athletes like LeBron, who, as great as it is that he he and others are leading they're using their social voices and, and that impact is really not their job. Like, and we forget that the right. people whose job it is are not doing it. So, right. I mean, ultimately, and, right. And they're stepping in. Right. They're filling that void. They, they are filling yeah. the, the void that our leaders should be, you know, the only reason that we are looking to athletes to fulfill a void in leadership in our country is because the traditional places the where the, the traditional place where we're getting leadership from is not happening, and it's not happening on either side. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, there's a reason yeah. why why Joe Biden is running so centrist is because he's trying to to get all the people. You know, he he has to he has to try to pull from both sides of the aisle. But um, moving yeah. right along, um, speaking of LeBron, uh, are you buying or selling? Is LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time? Bar none. Big buy for me. Buying it for sure. Um, I'm but, selling. I'm selling. I'm selling this idea. So here's what here's what I'll say is I think in some ways I don't like the greatest conversations. Um, the you know Babe Ruth versus Hank Aaron versus Barry Bonds versus Mike Trout conversations. I don't like the Big Michael Trout. Jordan versus Kareem. You know, people people put him in that conversation. Well, that's just, just so you know. 
Ugh. People, uh, whatever. So I don't yeah, yeah, like these, these, Yeah, these the silent majority. The silent majority um, puts Mike Trout in that conversation. <laughs> all right, all right. You know, the, the point being, the point being, I think the conversation in and of itself is flawed. And so I only accept the premise as a different interpretation of the word greatest. So, like, the impact that LeBron has had on the sport of basketball, the way he has embodied the sport, for an entire generation, the way he has succeeded in so many facets of the game, to me, from my perspective, acknowledging that I only ever remember seeing Michael Jordan play in a Wizards uniform, I see him as the greatest. Now, I think there have to just be different conversations about, like, who was the, the best leader, who was the best of their generation, who was the best uh, scorer of all time, the best... Like, and I think it's just, it's so impossible to do justice conversation that involves comparing uh, generations that are entirely different. Right. But, you know, you're right. It is completely unfair to compare generations. But, you know, the the argument is always, is it Michael Jordan or is it uh, LeBron James? We're, mm-hmm. I don't see very many people talking about Bill Russell because I feel like Bill Russell, like, the argument they always use to trump uh, LeBron over uh, Michael Jordan is the fact that he has the championships and he's done it for so long. I mean, the 60s might as well be called the Russells because, like, he owned, you know, he, he, what, he played in, like, 11 NBA Finals or something? Like, he, you know, come on. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, like, one of the, I mean, Bill Russell, you know, if you're taking winning into consideration for LeBron, then Bill Russell has you beat. You know, because he was and he, and he was a leader on and off the court for those Celtics teams, yeah. right? Well, I think that gets to the. I think that like it's to an extent. To my point is, what's your criteria? Like you lay out a criteria, and I think a, a specific criteria, and I think we can decide a winner. Um, if your criteria is who is the greatest winner in basketball history, and then you probably got to go deeper than that. But on the surface, you can say Bill Russell. And then you got to say, okay, what was the quality of competition? What were blah, 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 blah. But by just saying the greatest, anyone who pretends like their personal opinion, if they are 40, 30 to 45 ish and loved watching Michael Jordan, or if they're 65 to 80 and they were a Bill Russell guy, or there's somewhere in between and they watched Kareem and Magic, or whatever it may be, like, you're lying if you're not, if your opinion and your personal stake in those games is not affecting you, unless you tell me specifically, all right, LeBron is the greatest because my criteria for greatest are how many points you score, longevity, uh, getting to the finals, playing minutes, clutch points, because we can measure all those things. You have that? I can have that conversation with you. Otherwise, anyone who pretends like it's not their opinion and like it's not 100% subjective, they're lying to you and they're just screaming at each other because that's what uh, sells TV ratings. Right. Well, I think that like LeBron is probably the greatest player we have seen since Michael Jordan. And he his what he has done for the sport, both on and off the court, cannot be measured. I mean, you know, we don't even measure that when we're talking about the greatest of all time, right? And mm-hmm. LeBron is much more of a leader than 
speaking to our last topic, is much more of a off-the-court leader than Michael Jordan was, um, in my opinion. I mean, you would never hear LeBron say Republicans buy shoes, too, um, which, you know, he kind of walked back in the last dance. But really, I don't know, I thought that was a vapid thing. To, to, to you know, I, don't, I didn't feel like it was completely earnest. Um, yeah. So you're buying, you're buying it though, though. You're buying LeBron as the greatest. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. All right. Well, remember I'm... when Michael Jordan tried playing ba- baseball? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> LeBron hasn't tried out for the Angels yet because he would never play for the storied franchise. He played for like the other one, right? So. Well, LeBron, LeBron, uh, LeBron. People say that LeBron could be in the NFL at the drop of a hat. Who knows? I guess he was a pretty good high school football player. Uh, I didn't, I, I'm sorry. What was that sport you mentioned? Oh, sorry. It's it's the NFL. It's the uh, is that the concussion something sport? Something about concussions. Yeah, yeah the concussion yeah. league. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Well, brain soup. Um, bra- <laughs> uh, mush brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're look, if you would like to look up mush brain, um, and NFL doesn't come up, you need we need to flood that algorithm. Um. All right. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh. So moving on to our next topic. Uh. And our second to last topic, because I have one that I didn't even tell you about, Evan. Um, wow, okay. Um, are you, do you think that the future of the MLB, the Major League Baseball, do you think the future of the Major League Baseball is in good hands? Are you buying or selling that? Man, you know, I I can't, I can't, right now I, I think i got to sell it. And really? it doesn't have to do with the players. Like, it, again, it all depends on how you're interpreting the question. I think when you look at the talent, and I was just telling you, neither of us have watched a lot of baseball this year. For a lot of reasons, the Red Sox sucking the pandemic, the MLB and NBA being simultaneous, us just being busy, etc. But I've watched a few games more recently, and it's just like, it doesn't take a lot of innings for you to be reminded by just how insane the talent from pitching to hitting, like, the talent level in the league right now is incredible, and there's some really exciting players. But that just doesn't escape for me, the fact that, like, with all that talent and all that excitement, most of our country right now has no fucking clue whether the MLB is over or not. And so it just it, it worries me that the MLB is still a dying sport and that it really has nothing to do with talent and a lot to do with... Uh, with youth baseball, with advertising and PR, and with like curating the, uh, a fan base that extends beyond white rednecks, I think that 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 I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy <laughs> that the MLB future is more excited than the previous generation. I mean, okay. I think that I mean it's a terrible thing but Mookie Betts is a super exciting baseball player and I think that Fernando Tatis Jr could develop into a super exciting baseball player. Those two guys are amazing athletes and they could be really really great for the sport. I think that it's been hard for baseball because I think a lot of it is selling this like pastoral go to the baseball park, be there for 4 hours thing. But I think that Baseball is has a lot of really, really exciting young players. I mean, that play a little bit more raw than the last... Ge- like, mm-hmm. I mean, think of all, all the players that we love, like, from, like, 15-ish years ago, like Dustin Pedroia or 
even we don't love him, but Derek Jeter, they played like Chipper Jones and Chipper yeah, Jones. Yeah. Like I mean, those guys were were good because they had like the, an X factor to their ability, right? You know, unprobable guys. I think that even like Albert Pujols, he's called the machine for a reason. You know, he yeah. doesn't say anything. He just has a really pretty swing and he hit ball very hard. Right, um, and, and Aaron and Judge. like a nice, unoffensive guy. Aaron Judge. Aaron, yeah. Aaron Judge is an exciting baseball player when he's healthy, and so yeah. is Giancarlo Stanton, and they are on the Yankees, and fuck the Yankees. Yeah, fuck the Yankees. Uh, amen. But, like, the the Yankees, I think that this the future generation of baseball needs to continue to push the em- this envelope that, like, these guys are exciting. Let them play for franchises that, that maybe don't get represented enough. You know, baseball should be like pushing Francisco Lindor. Baseball should be pushing uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. Like, you know, these Rafael Devers is super exciting. I mean, and he swings at ridiculous pitches. I mean, I would say yeah. that like if we go back to two thousand, the year two thousand, there are so many good hitters. But the most exciting and electrifying player in baseball is Vladimir Guerrero because he was raw. He seemed like he was not polished. You go forward a few years, and like it's all about trying to draw the walk. It's all about trying to get on base. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about like really trying to throw it back to like what traditionalists really wanted baseball to be. And I yeah. have to admit, I think that like the influx of home runs will give way to doubles and to hitting for higher average. And that, you know, it's only going to take, I, I could see in the next 10 years, and I could be wrong. But I'm going to put this out there. This is a, a throwback to bold predictions. I could see in the next 10 years there being a baseball team that breaks the 116-win record. And they will do oh. it by playing a, a not-a-feast-or-famine game. I think they'll do it by hitting doubles. I mean, look at the Tampa Bay Rays making the World Series. Couldn't, couldn't name six players on the roster. You couldn't name six. You can name six players on the roster, can't you? I don't know. Maybe. But... uh the 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 thing that I'll say is I agree with everything you just said. And I, I think Thank your you. take on home runs giving way to doubles and home runs or doubles and average. Man, I hope that's true because uh, I like that band of baseball a little bit more. Um, and I, I can see that as being a, an evolution, especially given that the response to feast or famine hitting has been pitching with, incredible nasty breaking balls that make it a lot harder to do that successfully. Um, so I can see that happening on the other end, separate from the players. I think this intangible question that I don't have an answer to is how in a, such a social media driven and like pop culture driven society can baseball become a bigger part of just culture. I feel like baseball is so on the outskirts of our day-to-day pop culture in most circles. Um, There's football country and there's basketball country. And there's not a lot of places where baseball is the first sport that people talk about. Or even outside of sports, that baseball is one of the topics that you hear people talking about at the barbershop, the water cooler, and all the other stereotypical places that people have those conversations. Um, I mean, no one's talking about anything at the water cooler right now. Hopefully, but right. but you get you get my point. I get your How point. can baseball become a greater part of the culture? 
Uh, and I don't, I don't think and, I have an answer for that either. I mean, obviously they need to market and market and market and market and spend lots of money, you know, mm-hmm. doing outreach, getting Mookie bets to be, you know, make him, make them into personalities. Uh, it's hard in baseball because there's so many players in baseball. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. n- you know, there's nine guys on the field at any given time. And with universal DH, you could argue there's 10 guys out there on each yeah. side. So there's a lot of players. It you know, I just think keep marketing them, keep pushing them yeah. forward. I think that uh, baseball has has a reckoning on, coming on its way because it's like the episode of the Twilight Zone where the guy plays pool and every time he breaks, every ball goes in the pockets. You can't. The yeah. future of the sport is not actually going to be based on a bunch of guys hitting 240 with 25 home runs. It's just like yeah. that's not the future of the sport. You need to, you know, I think hit and run, run baseball, people running the great plays. I think the baseball should invest in having a whole bunch of people just make like having Instagram accounts and social media that like really embraces like the really great things about baseball. I mean, you and I both follow and I know this is like, you know, social media is directed towards what I want to watch. But the Pitching Ninja is an amazing account because... I love that shit. Because it's like, you, it's like literally, it looks like sorcery. It looks like, you know... Yeah, it's just showcasing the magic that is professional pitchers. Like, you can follow all the NBA, like, best dunkers accounts and biggest hits football accounts and crazy shots, soccer accounts and trick shots and stuff. To me... None of that is impressive as some of the fucking crazy 99-mile-an-hour two-seamers that move 10 inches back across the plate and, you know, curveballs that are coming in at 91 and drop off the table like like gravity is not an option. And some of the... They, they defy gravity, the yeah. Right, right. It's just, man, it's unbelievable. And so, I mean... Full circle, like your initial point and the point that I agree with, the level of talent in baseball right now is insane. I think it's just going to be a lot about like how is it leveraged and like what kind of marketing and is there something intangible beyond marketing um, that I keep going back to, I think has something to do with youth baseball because people like to watch sports they like to play. Um and I think it's, but, uh, we've talked about this in season one of Small Range Big Picks. It comes back down to the the freakonomics of it. Like it comes back down to the idea that like baseball on a youth level to be the best of the best and therefore be even considered by one of the top colleges and then therefore one of the top, you know, going to be drafted by a team is insanely mm-hmm. expensive. They don't talk about how expensive baseball is. And uh-huh. urban development has changed the way you know, no one wants to maintain a field. Baseball is an incredibly hard sport to play anywhere. And I think you're right. I think it all comes down to, you know, let's not have one photo op a year where Mike Trout stands with some people of color and, like, you know, does his 45 minutes. I mean, we really need to have an opportunity that, like, each team needs to be developing regionally. You know, like, I think that yeah. – that, you know, yeah, why why are the Tigers not not showing out money to build to rehab these decrepit stadiums across Detroit? Like, why is that? I mean, I feel like you know, I'm a I'm a baseball coach at a school in Detroit, 
I feel like I would know about that if they're doing it. So, like, please, someone tell me if the Tigers have a program for rebuilding and supporting youth baseball in the city. Because I haven't heard about it. And if they have it, that's great. And they need to make it bigger because people like me should know about it. And if they don't have it, how on earth do they not? No, like, you know, how you is that not the day one of community outreach for the Detroit Tigers? It's outrageous. And I know like it's expensive and they spend a lot of money on baseball players and they want them to be pristine and that baseball players need to be babied. But I don't see why every major league team doesn't have a program for inner city kids to come and play baseball on their field. I mean, I know it's like a ridiculous pie in the sky thing, but you know how many more kids would want to play baseball with your baseball team at your high school if they were guaranteed like one weekend that they all get to play on, days of baseball on, on Comerica on Comerica Field on Comerica yeah. and Park. There's approximately there's probably approximately a hundred days of baseball season that a team is either on an off day or on the road, right? On a regular season, <laughs> or so, more than that, yeah. Why? And you know you're going to eat up maybe twenty of those days <laughs> with concerts, maybe some other days of multi-purpose events. Agreed. Why are not some of those days with getting kids off of these fields with portable mounds rolled in from the dugout if you're lucky to have one and no fence in the outfield and lines drawn on right by right before the game by some underpaid varsity coach like and all these things that I've seen coaching in the city. And I know this is not a thing that is unique to Detroit and it's endemic across the country. And I think until this is addressed, baseball's viewership will like you or I would not be the baseball fans we were today if we did not have such vivid experiences playing Little League Baseball from the ages of 9 to 12 or whatever. That, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say that that formulated our love for baseball as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean, going, going to the games a lot and having parents invested in the sport, I think, means a lot. And uh, this is, you know, we're getting kind of far field, but kind of closer to what we've always talked about. But I, I'm, I'm buying. I think that I got to be an optimist about baseball. I really do, because mm-hmm. um, there's so much to be pessimistic about in our world. Um, so I'm buying the MLB future. I think it's, I think it's a bright one. I think that. Okay, Andrew, the optimist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On this day, um, <laughs> before we get out of here, I got one more for you too. Are you buying or selling season two of Small Brains Big Picks? Big buy, big buy, uh, heavy investing. Um, oh yeah, big buy. I'm gonna sell. Yeah, I'm gonna player, sell. One, yeah, you're gonna if, sell. If anyone wants to buy small brains, big picks from us, we will sell it for approximately. Oh, you're selling one point <laughs> seven million dollars. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm selling yeah. too. Yeah. I'm still yeah, waiting all, for the still waiting for the sponsorship checks to clear from that one tequila company. So <laughs> right. Until yeah. then, it's hard to know. Well, considering I wrote and signed the checks myself, uh, I'm not expecting them <laughs> and to printed say. them out. Yeah, imprinted them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. uh, this has been um, Small Brains Big Picks. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk sports. Who you got in the World Series, Evan? I think it will be quickly. Man, yesterday I put my head in the blender, but I think I'm going Braves over Rays. 